Hello and welcome to the Best Boys Podcast. I'm Best Boy Dan. And I'm Best Boy Justin. And we are gathered here in these hollow halls of anime to reflect back to the 90s. A simpler time uh, with anime that I don't know if it's simpler. (laughs) Um, Mine was... uh, the a, hair a little was complex big. in theory. <laughs> the hair was great. I am all about the hair from it. But uh, Best Boy Justin and I each took a uh, 90s anime down and uh, are going to tell you our thoughts on it. Uh, but first, we're going to dig into some some news and some banter. Yeah. Um, how, was your, how was your week, Best Boy Justin? Uh, it was all right. I spent a lot of it watching this anime, which um, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, but yeah, I, the, it was it was interesting. It was interesting. How was your week, best boy, Dan? Uh, it was pretty good. I had a stroke of brilliance at one point in it. Yeah. Um, because you have been very upset with me uh, in uh, me not living up to your standards when it comes to the pact oh it's finally time yes <laughs> so, so excited i i finished um, love Trinibio and other delusions. What did you think? I'm so excited to hear your thoughts. Uh, uh, I enjoyed it. I like. I was waiting for the turn. Uh huh. And it, it was interesting. I'm I'm curious as to where they go in season two because I know there's like season two and maybe a movie. There is a movie. I would say, I will say season two and the movie takes kind of like almost a dramatic turn. Like it, it, it the drama kind of goes way up. Um, interesting but i think it's a it's a i think it's an interesting contrast to where you're at in season one um but also still good i think so it i i enjoyed the show i I think as a look at chunibio and uh kind of a portrayal of that i found it very interesting um as a love story i i think it was all right um i on the train ride home today, finished uh, Catch These Hands. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that captured my heart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so, you, can't, you can't compare the two. They're totally different. Yeah. Um, but just, like, kind of in the way everything played out, uh, I wasn't as, as thrilled with the ending as I... Like, I was really into it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was, like, a really fun look, but... Uh, I don't know. It, the ending was an interesting way of taking it, and I okay. don't want to like spoil it. <laughs> um, but uh, I also really enjoyed the battle scenes from that. That show was wild and yeah. wildly imaginative in how it portrayed those. I'm interested to hear your thoughts about Chinibio in relation to Dangers in My Heart, but maybe that's a conversation for our next episode. Spoiler alert. Oh yeah, which is spring I, anime. I definitely got strong vibes from that from the first episode. Okay, cool, good, all right. <laughs> so I think it it'll definitely be a good like sounding board going forward for us. I think. Yeah. Um. So 
it is my turn to bestow the pact on you. Yes. So you might see here in our in our breakdown um, that I have this thing titled Origami Puzzle Box. Are you familiar with these? Are those the ones where like someone gives you a number and you like go one, two, three, four, and you like pull open a thing? That is exactly. Okay, that. cool. We're on the same page. Yes. Okay, I have made you one of those, which is why you were helping me before oh, we started recording. Okay, now that's all starting to make sense. Yeah, with names. Yes, I told you it would all make sense uh, eventually. Um, but uh, this is also a product of pure ADD. I okay. Warn you, <laughs> um, because I don't remember any of the animes I put in here. Okay. Um, this was like something I made at work while doing something else, and was just like. Okay, this is the first thing that comes to mind that I think Justin hasn't seen and may like. So uh, there's also a couple poison pills in there. <laughs> Wonderful. Too. So okay. It should be exciting no matter what, I All think. Right. Um, are you going to so, show me this thing, or, or how are we going to do this? No, I'm going to describe it to you because uh, this is a podcast medium. <laughs> well, oh, I, mean, I understand that, but I am still here. Yeah, so I'm going to explain it to you. So I have okay. uh, my little... Uh, origami puzzle box. Okay. Can you hear the ASMR of it? I, I can, yes. Okay. Sounds like middle school. Um, so, oh goodness. Um, very dry. Uh, hey, yo! <laughs> uh, um, so, I have four anime for you to pick from. Okay. Uh, we have Gate, Pokemon, One Piece, or Monster. Okay, so I guess the question is now, how do I want to approach it? Do I want to pick my favorite anime, or do I want to pick a fun anime? Let us let me think. Um, I'm going to go with Gate. Okay. G-A-T-E. All right. You get to pick between Arigato, Segoi, Yatta, and Tonkatsu. Oh, well, I got to go with Tonkatsu. <laughs> I love me some okay. tonkatsu. T O N K A T S U. Okay. Okay. Same choices. Same <laughs> Yata, choices. Yata, Segoi, Arigato, or tonkatsu. Now, this is going to be the anime that you have to watch. All right. Then I'm going to go with Yata. Yata. Your anime of choice is. Oh! Madoka Magica. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I've had this one on my list for a long time now. Okay, well, now is the time. You are going to watch Madoka Magica. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it, actually. Um, damn, I put Blue Lock in here. I, I, <laughs> I was, just wanted you to... I'm going to finish watching Blue Lock like, within the next <laughs> week. You didn't even need to put that in there. But I just want you to finish it now because it was so good. <laughs> well, do you want me to finish it now or do you want me to watch the 90s anime so we can record an episode? Yeah, you do that. That's, yeah, it's fair. Um, but I think you're going to enjoy Madoka Magica. I'm excited for you to watch that one. Excellent. Yeah, I've already, I already have it bookmarked. All right. Did that li live up to your standards? It, well, I mean, it's better than you just telling me what to watch. <laughs> like some sort of, I don't know, fascist or something. Um, there's a part of me that thought about making every possibility the same anime. <laughs> I was kind of thinking that that might have been the thing you were going to do. Um, and if you did that, I was going to assault you violently. Um, my favorite one is I had a section of two anime that I haven't seen, but I also know you haven't seen. Uh-huh. And 
I could just make you watch them and tell me <laughs> if they're I mean, any good or not. That kind of defeats the purpose of the pact, but okay. I, it's, uh, you can play the pact however you want to. I, I didn't know that. I just make you, <laughs> I make you watch uh, all but, of our stuff. Uh, I, you can do that if you want. It's the pact. Uh, <laughs> uh, I definitely, I think I have like Monster Musumi on there. <laughs> so I actually kind of want to hate watch that. Like I want, I just want to know, you know? It's it's not bad. <laughs> it's kind of like like this. I have the same thing with like high school DXD. Like I kind of high school I, DXD is a whole level unto itself. But we're, we'll save that for an anime was a mistake that, episode. That is absolutely getting an anime was a mistake um, episode because that one's so worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, that that's most of what I had to talk about. But I also had to talk about an anime called Heavenly Delusion that I really want to see and is apparently very good, but you can't if you live in America. Because I guess freedom isn't real. I thought this was America. <laughs> um, Heavenly Delusion is locked in like Disney jail. It's streaming on Disney Plus everywhere else. It's going to be on Hulu here. But they delayed the first episode because of um, like... Uh, the dub not being ready or something like that, but the second episode has already come out and it's still not streaming as of last checking. So uh, disappointed that we are having another summertime rendering and missing all the hype from the new anime. That's a huge so, bummer. And that also reminds me that yeah. I need to watch summertime rendering at some point, which I was perfectly yeah. happy to do when it came out, but we weren't able to. And now so much stuff has happened since then. Yeah, it, it's um, it's almost like this idea of Disney Jail is a bad idea for their product, which is weird because they keep getting these banger shows apparently. Yeah. Um. So I don't I don't know what they're doing. Um, I don't think they know what they're doing to be honest. Yeah. So that's that's my shtick. That's your shtick. Well, it's time then for my shtick. Okay. Um, oh, Justin's shtick. My shtick. Um. No, I, I I have I have a couple things I wanted to talk about just to ch just chat about this week. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about was Deku's mom from my. Hero. I'll talk about Deku's mom all day every day. You, I know you will, but this is we're talking a little bit in a bit of a different context of Deku's mom. Um, and in order to have this conversation, we do have to discuss some minor spoilers from the the um, the ending sequence of the most recent My Hero um, episode. So. Uh, you know, if you don't want to hear, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, go ahead and skip ahead a couple, uh, you know, like maybe 30, 45, maybe a minute. Um, we'll put in the show notes, too, where the spoilers end so you can check back in with us. Um, but, yeah, so the thing that I wanted to talk about, about Deku's mom, this actually originates from uh, something I saw. It was either on Instagram or TikTok. I don't remember which. Uh, but the, the guy's name is Redneck Demon Slayer, and he's like a southern dude who talks about anime. Um, so check him out if you've never seen his stuff before. Um, but the thing that he was talking about was Deku's mom in the, the scene where they're trying to bring Deku into back into uh, UA and like all of the people are, um, are, uh, like, like arguing against it and they're, they're mad about it. 
And like Deku's mom is like gonna go like go like to him, and then like somebody stops her and like holds her back with like one hand or something. And like Redneck Demon Slayer, he has kind of like a crusade against Deku's mom. Like he's very much like on the Deku's mom is a bad mom side of things. And I'm not necessarily there. I'm more on the side of like Deku's mom has had a difficult time, um, and she hasn't always handled it well. But like she's trying kind of side. Um, which is a little specific, I guess. But um, where do you fall well, on the spectrum? I would agree with that. You think so? Like she's 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 trying, but she's I, had a difficult time. The thing I've always appreciated about that character, and the reason why I can actually talk about her all day, is because I actually think uh, she's a really good example of a minor character that gets a lot of detail put into them. Uh-huh. Because she's a really important anchoring point for Deku. Yeah, right? like she's his first fan. Right. So here's here's the thing where me and Redneck Demon Slayer agree. Um, and that is that in this scene, Deku's mom is not living up to what you would expect, you know, from from somebody who we would kind of hold in that kind of regard. Because, like, the whole idea that, like, that's your son, right? Your son is out there. And someone's just, like, putting their hand on you and goes, no, don't go. I'm like... And I don't have children, and I probably never will. I'm not super interested in the idea. But, like, even if that was, like, my friend, like, just my friend, my buddy, and, like, they were in that situation. Hey, yo, Jimmy, I got your back. Yeah, someone was was like, no, don't go. I was like, if you don't take your hand off me, I will break it. Like, that, I think, I feel like that is a moment where Deku's mom needs to be ride or die, where she needs to be like, that's my son. I, you know, I'm going to stand with my son. Uh, you know, I don't care. I'll fight all you motherfuckers. Um, and I was kind of, I was also kind of disappointed in that sequence as well. Um, where I they, mean, but where, we got a very unmotivating speech from Uraraka. <laughs> I mean, well, that's even more reason for you to be like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to leave it to this bitch. To defend my son, all right? This is my son, okay? He moved to the city and now he's gay. No, that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> but no, he moved I, to the city and now he's one for all. Exactly. No, but like I just I felt like when when I when I saw his like analysis and even while I was watching it in the moment, I kind of it rubbed me the wrong way. Um, so you know that's just kind of what I wanted to talk about with with Deku's mom. I just wanted to be better, you know, be better, Deku's mom. Yeah, I mean, I understand why they wrote it that way. It's like, you know, they want to give Uraraka her spot. Right, but she... It's not not particularly interesting. Yeah, but in in that moment, Deku's mom should have been like, no, get your hands off me, I'm going to my son, you know? Um, Yeah. But anyway, that does it for our My Hero spoilers. We're done with the spoilers for now. Um, For the rest of the episode, I think. Unless you are really waiting to watch these two 90s anime that we watched um but the next thing i wanted to talk about we are gonna spoil the hell out of those we are we absolutely are but not just yet because the other second thing i wanted to talk about was the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady um i uh, i just had a chance to finally finish watching um the the show i watched the series finale i think it was like last night or the night before um, and I just wanted to say how good it was. Like, it was such a really well-done show. Um, it's probably one of my favorite Yuri anime that have 
that has you know been made into an anime. Like there are obviously so they get together at the end. They get together at the end. Um, so th- I guess that's a spoiler. <laughs> um, but like they don't even get together at the end. They get together like in the middle. So it's not really a spoiler. Um, but oh, I, I just yeah. felt like it was so well put together. Uh, the characters were really well designed. Um, and also, like, uh, one of the things that I, I, I really enjoyed about it was just that it, it was kind of, um, it, it had, it, it wasn't just a Yuri show with a backdrop of, like, this, this you know, this world. It was, it was a Yuri plot that is written within, that exists within the framework of this universe that's been built up for the story. And it's not the whole story. It's just a matter of, like, these two people who are involved in this situation also happen to be in love and they're both women. Um, and I think that was really well done. If I had one complaint about this show and I really only have one, like I can't think of anything else about this show that was anything less than superb. Um, it's that it did not need to be an isekai. Um, like it never comes up. It comes up like twice in the show, once in the beginning to explain why she's in love with magic and then once at the end, there's like a shared secret between her and like the the her her lover. Um, but like it, it, it very easily could have just been a fantasy show without the isekai element. But then I guess if it was, then you wouldn't have that catchy title that's a million words long. Um, but I mean, as far as that show goes, that's my only complaint. I highly recommend it. Um, it was a really, really well done show. Um and then the finally the final thing I wanted to talk about, speaking of well done shows, is Witch from Mercury. Um, it's back, Dan. Have you had a chance to watch the, the new episode yet? I did. I watched it. It was so good. I had such an interesting feeling watching that episode because it kind of felt like, like it's like how much time has passed since then and since I I watched the last episode of the first part, and it feels like I just watched it yesterday. You know, um, I guess part of that is because I've just my life in my personal life has because been really you busy. Did watch it yesterday, exactly. No, uh, it's part of it is because like maybe I've, I've my personal life has been really busy in the intervening months between then and now. Um, but I think also part of it is just because like the show is so good. I've been thinking about it very constantly between uh, then and now, and it just kind of feels so like present in my mind. Um, and I'm really happy it's back. The OP is good, but the ED is a banger. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's a Haro, and I, I love that. Yes. Uh, it's been present of mine for me because I've been building the kits. Indeed. Um, so I'm glad it's back. Um, I'm happy to keep watching it. I can't wait for the next episode to come out because it's going to be really good. Um, I did not see this this direction that they're going in, but I'm super happy about it. Um, and yeah, that's all I'm going to, that's all I'm going to say about Witch for Mercury for now. We're going to talk about it more in our next episode. You like that little foreshadowing there? Um, when we're going to be talking about the, uh, spring 2023 anime season. Um, but until then, and with our, with our banter being concluded, uh, I think it's time for us to check in with Studio WEB for some anime news. That's right, Best Buds. We have all the anime news you can possibly launch into a pool full of Jello. Okay, all right. That's a new one. Do you think it? Do you think you can swim in Jello? 
Uh, I think uh, Mark Rober did a whole video on that. Because it's like a non-Newtonian fluid, right? I don't know. We're, we're getting yeah. off topic. But, like, also just think about, like, how many, like, squirrels and stuff would, like, fall into it and, like... <laughs> oh, I would assume a jello pool would be indoors. No, it would have to be climate controlled. Who's got an indoor pool? I mean, anybody who has enough money to make a pool full of jello can afford an indoor pool. I mean, you can't go down to the local swimming hole and make it into a jello. Absolutely not. Hole? They will arrest you immediately. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll we'll get our uh, sleuth reporters on it and find out. Yeah. Um. But in the meantime, our sleuth reporters have dug up this gem of a story. Crunchyroll announced that it has launched its first ever English dubbed episode of the second Tonkawa uh, Over the Moon for You anime on the same day that the anime premiered in Japan. The service is also streaming the English dub of Tonkawa Over the Moon for You uniform special episode original video anime or OVA. Um, so yeah, I noticed this. Uh, the OVA was dubbed and the first episode was dubbed same day that it it came out, and that was really nice. It is incredible, and I wish it were done without exploitative labor practices. But um, because I'm a sucker, I am still going to watch the show. Uh, I'm so excited for the second season of this. Episode. It's really good. <laughs> You've seen it already? Uh, I've seen... Wait, I saw the first episode. Yeah, oh, did I say second episode? I meant second season. Um, yeah, I'm super yeah. excited for the second season. Um, the, it's, oh, it's great. The uniform uh, special episode was good. Uh, I'm glad you finally watched it. Um, yeah, yeah, the show's great. We'll talk about it more next week or in two weeks. Yeah. More projecting. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, with that little tidbit of news out of the way, we're getting into one of my favorite segments, Numbers with Dan. Numbers with Dan. Numbers with Dan. Guitar solo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there were a few different numbers uh, that came out this week that I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, the Box Office Mojo website is estimating a, fi- a total five-day earnings of over $200 million for the United States for the Super Mario Brothers movie, with an estimated $34 uh, million uh, on Easter Sunday. This film had an estimated uh, $377 million take worldwide in its first five days. It opened on a Wednesday, which is interesting. Um, Entertainment News website deadline put its estimates as the highest earning all-time worldwide opening for an animated film, beating out Frozen 2, which is wild, but also Frozen 2 had a three-day weekend, so some math going on there. Um, But yeah, that makes it, uh, you know, one of the biggest all-time openings for a video game film adaptation. Uh, and the biggest domestic and worldwide opening for 2023 so far, uh, as well as the second biggest all-time domestic opening for an animated film. Um, so yeah, the, the Super Mario Brothers movies is blowing up. Have you seen there. it? Uh, I have not yet. I'm I'm curious to. Uh, 
it looks like it's going to set quite a few records, and I think it's going to put some eyes into video game properties and uh, Japan. I mean, Nintendo is a Japan-based company. Um, what? And I know, crazy, right? Um, so I think, you know, this is kind of par and course to a lot of what we talk about with kind of this uh, influence spreading into Western culture. So I think we can expect to see more. Wonderful. you love to see it. Yeah. Um, are you going to see it, Best Boy Justin? Um, I'll probably wait until it comes out like on streaming, but I will watch it eventually. Um, I'm still sad that like Danny DeVito is not the voice of Mario. <laughs> That's such a missed opportunity. Like You just want Danny DeVito wrong. to voice any Mario character. I mean, hey, Zelda. I mean, yes, but like also like Mario is such a chew-in for Danny DeVito. Like like okay, we joke about how like Pikachu should have been Danny DeVito and like I'm not joking. I believe this. But also like in real talk, Mario should have been anybody other than Chris Pratt. Like I'm sorry. Like I'm sorry. Chris Pratt like was was just such the wrong casting decision for this, but I won't I won't stand too high on my soapbox about it. Yeah, I hear the other performances are good. So I'm sure I, like I mean Jack, Jack Black, Black is in it, so Oh, speaking of Jack Black, a <laughs> little little side tangent. Did you see Jack Black in the episode of Mandalorian? Uh no. I'm oh. a few behind. Oh dude, just wait. But I've it's seen so it good. on the internet. Is <laughs> he's so good. I love I love Jack Black so much. Anyway, we're continuing. I have to catch up on that. This channel. is not our Star Wars I, podcast. I didn't realize it was real. I've seen it online. I'm like, okay, now I'm now I have to go see that. Yeah, um, we'll talk about it in our Star Wars podcast. Star Wars. <laughs> it's, it's called it's called the Cantina. We're gonna talk about Suzumi or Suz, Suzumi. Suzume? I think it's Suzume. Yeah, Suzume. Um, because there's stuff to say about it. Okay. Despite this weekend's global box office going to the Super Mario Brothers movie and. Uh, Rightfully so, it won all those things we just talked about. Uh, Makoto Shinkai's Suzume uh, has surpassed all projections and has reached fourth place on the all-time worldwide anime box office charts, pushing One Piece film Red, who only recently took the spot down to fifth place. Um, at 256 million, Suzume is now the fourth highest-grossing anime film ever, ahead of its Western theater uh, release in Western theaters next weekend. This is largely thanks to China, where Makoto Shinkai's anime film reached a total of 104 million. This is the first Japanese anime film to, in history to pass that milestone. Um, this week could see the film's largest market move from its home country to China for the first time in anime history. In other Asian countries, Suzume's gross in South Korea increased uh, to 34 million, whereas in Taiwan it increased to 7 million, which are both crazy numbers for those countries. Yeah. Um, next up is uh, Your Name, which has a staggering 380 million, uh, which is a pretty steep hill to climb, but who knows? Maybe the U.S. box office can, can help push it right over that edge. Uh, yeah make it the third highest grossing film of all time are are you interested in seeing this best boy justin so it's interesting because this film was not really on my radar at all until like for we 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 actually we got invited to a, a screening of it that we couldn't attend um but um the, before that i had only vaguely heard the name before um so now i am curious uh with how with how well it's doing in the box office um, so yeah, I probably will see it. I don't know if I'll see it in theaters. It depends on what the dates look like. I'm, you know, my my life is about to get really busy. 
um, next week, so we'll see. But I am very curious about the movie. Yeah, should be should be interesting. I, I kind of want to check it out. I'll see when it's playing. Yeah. So, uh, all of this was just a cover. I wanted to tell this last story most of all. Oh, this story? Um, I'm so interested in this story, actually. <laughs> um, the story is wild and uh, was the whole reason I decided to do a numbers with Dan, because these numbers tickled my brain the most. Okay. Um, tech news outlet Wired reported that Good Smile Company invested $2.4 million in the controversial website 4chan in 2015, acquiring a 30% share uh, in the web's finances. The Nendroid and Figma toy company's investment was part of a 2015 sale of 4chan to two-channel founder Hiroyuki Nishimura. Wired obtained the documents through the Freedom of Information Act request. The New York Attorney General's office had to had requested the contract from Fortran as part of its investigation into the website's involvement, inciting the May 2022 mass shooting in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> Already off to a wild start. Um, Welcome to 4chan. Yeah. The text of the deal also uh, indicates... Uh, that Nishimura invested $800,000 of personal funds. Uh, Katakawa Duongo, then Duongo, uh, invested $4.8 million. Nishimura uh, served as the director of Nwango Inc., a subsidiary of Duongo, until 2013. Wired reported last May that it had obtained documents detailing a non-disclosure agreement involving Nishimura, Good Smile Company, and Katakawa Duongo. Uh, Nishimura confirmed the relationship between Good Smile and 4chan in an interview with Shueisha Online last December. He stated that he and Good Smile president Takanori Aki met at an anime convention and became friends, but added that Good Smile Company is in the process of leaving the agreement. Oh, now that you're found out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, according to anonymous source at Disney, interviewed by Wire, Good Smile licensing agreement with Disney will end in May. The source uh, claimed that Disney has decided not to renew a deal with Wire after Wired alerted the company of Good Smile's relationship with 4chan. So, uh, no more Disney Nendroids coming soon. Interesting. I know you were collecting them, Best Boy Justin. I have zero interest in Nendroids. <laughs> uh, Good Smile is the company that develops the popular Nendroid and Figma figure lines. Nendroid figures are small figures of anime, manga, and pop culture characters portrayed in the super deformed style that may have limited posability and swappable faces. Figma is an action figure line of anime, manga, and pop culture characters focusing on high art articulation and posability. Uh, in 2021, two former Good Smile employees claimed that the company funded 4chan in a cross-complaint uh, within a larger legal battle about their employer within the company. The former employees accused Good Smile of distributing potentially obscene sexually explicit anime products and merchandise of underage characters, engaging in false uh, designation of corporate officers as independent contractors, tax evasion, and improper licensing practices. According to Wired, the lawsuit was settled out of court. Um, so, just some flavor text to give you the full picture of Good Smile. Yeah, I mean, this story is wild. I mean, first of all, um, as far as Nendroids go, I think there was one good Nendroid that I saw, and it was the Spy Family set, but still, not super interested in them. 
Um, but also like this, 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 this part, like, I don't understand what good smile has to gain from 4chan. Like I just, for some reason, I'm so not surprised that the like action figure market is like this CD. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Like, I don't know. 4chan is kind of. 4chan is like one of the last vestiges of the Wild West era of the internet, and it's fitting that the worst part of that era would be the part to survive the longest. Because, like, I will admit to have spent some time on 4chan in my youth um, as kind of a... Uh, canceled. I'm, Best Boy Justin. I'm canceled. canceled. F- fuck you. Cancel me. I don't give a shit. Um, no, uh, the, as, like, an outgrowth of me, like... I, I was very online during the Wild West era of the internet, and for most of it, not on 4chan. Um, but, like, all of those, like, the websites that were, like, super cool and niche and weird that I used to hang out on just, like, slowly began dying out. And, like, 4chan was kind of, like, the last place to go after all that happened. And then 4chan turned into a place where I no longer wanted to be. Um, I say turned into, but it's more like I just kind of began to understand that 4chan was a place I no longer, I didn't want to be. Um, but like, th- th- for what? <laughs> Why does this sound so much like Twitter? <laughs> I mean, I was, I was never, I never wanted to be on Twitter. So that's, <laughs> this and that are different. Um, Twitter yeah, kind did of. Did you see the picture of the NPR newsroom this morning? I read the entire, like all of the, the statements from it, but like for me, like Twitter represents the outgrowth of the death struggle of like the wild west internet era um so i always kind of hated it but like oh man i, I just i don't understand why good smile needs to have a 30 percent stake in 4chan like i don't get what they make from it like i i, I don't i don't get i it. mean they probably sell a shit ton of action figures though. i mean <laughs> yes but they don't sell it through 4chan 4chan is not that kind of website you they know? don't have ads on it somewhere. They run ads, but if for if like Good Smile wanted to run ads on 4chan, they don't need to own a thirty percent stake in it. They could just buy ads. Well, they they really believe in the cause. I they guess met at a party and became best friends. I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to talk about 4chan anymore. <laughs> this story is wild, but I think we're done with it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, enjoy your. <laughs> don't go to 4chan. Like, listen, enjoy your stuff, but, like, also, this is this company. And also, don't go to 4chan. If you enjoy 4chan, don't. Um, Be be better. Um, But, no, uh, moving on to my uh, little section of anime news, um, we're going to start off things with a little bit of Gundam news. We have a problem. It's a Gundam. That's right. Hey, we both got our segments. That's right. We got our segments. I actually could have had one more, but I decided against it just because of how packed we are for this episode. Uh, But we could have also had a crime news segment this week, too. Um, Mine was close to a crime news. Yours was kind of close to a crime news. A little bit closer than I think Good Smile might have wanted, but let's avoid that defamation lawsuit. Um, But no, the Mainichi Shimbun's uh, Montan Web has reported that the Bandai Hobby Center... um, Bandai Spirit's plastic model production factory in Shizuoka City has installed 400 solar panels on its rooftops. Uh, The panels will produce around 260,000 kilowatts of energy annually, reducing these uh, factory CO2 emissions by around 130 tons per year. Um, Bandai Namco Group aims to attain a 35% reduction of carbon emissions by 2030 and net zero emissions by 2050. 
Uh, it aims to implement new energy saving and sustainable technologies across all of its amusement facilities, factories, office spaces, and other areas of operation. Um, the Gundam Factory Yokohama, the facility which houses a life-size RX-78-2 Gundam statue, has been powered by Yokohama City's Hama Wing Wind Power Plant uh, since May 2021, and the facility currently generates zero carbon emissions from electricity. Um, and I find this story so interesting because uh, among the many types of messages that you get from Gundam shows, um, one of the big ones is kind of like an anti-pollution um like environmentalist kind of message where it's like you know space might be an option but earth is our our only home you know so i think that's a kind of a an interesting way for bandai to kind of take um the message of its own programming and kind of apply it to real life um which i think is great and also like it kind of draws attention to the fact that like you know this hobby that we enjoy you know building gunpla models um, it is somewhat wasteful, it, uh, not even somewhat, it's wasteful. Um, and anything we can do to kind of make that hobby and production more sustainable, I think is a good thing. Build your Gundams out of eggs. Build your Gundams out of eggs. The I will say this, the eggshell Gundam, I, I took a look at it the other day. It's still, still going strong. It's maintained its color. And not only that, it's maintained its color. I have it sitting in a windowsill and I haven't top-coated it yet. Um, so like... I think the, the you know <laughs> it's going to turn into an omelet. It's going to turn into an omelet. No, I think oh. the, the egg the eggshell plastic might be uh, something to look into going forward. A side tangent. Yes. I made cat a bento box. Okay. Best person cat a bento box. Uh and I made tamago. Uh-huh. In all our talk of eggs. Uh and I like cut it in half diagonally and made the little hearts. <laughs> oh, look at you. That's adorable. Yeah. Tamago actually pretty easy to make. Yeah, I mean if you're not if you're not super anal about like the shape, you can make it in just any regular old pan. Um yeah. and and even if you are, they sell like tamagoyaki pans. They cost like 20 bucks, so you know, maybe yeah. make yourself uh, some tamagoyaki. Yeah, that's the best boy recommendation for this episode. There we go. Uh moving on to my next news story, uh the official ca- the official account of Hob- uh Hobunsha's Comic Fuzz manga app and website announced uh, that Aki Hamaji's four-panel manga, Bochi the Rock, will get a spin-off manga. That's right, Best Buds, we're talking about Bochi yeah. the Rock again, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but no, I'm super excited about this one. The announcement did not reveal more details, but it teased a silhouette image of the spin-off manga's main character. And while it hasn't been formally announced, it's quite obvious that the subject of the spin-off will be none other than my very own waifu, Kikuri Hiroi. Um, if you're not, if you're a little fuzzy on the uh, the cast of that show, um, Kikuri is like the the drunk girl, um, the girl who's always drunk and teaches Bochi how to play on the street. Um, they made they made a spinoff for you, best boy. Exactly. Best boy. Yet again, proof that I am a tastemaker in um, the manga world. Uh, but no, I'm super excited about this, and I, hopefully that means you know maybe we'll get to see it as a as a spinoff anime. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, love it. Uh, moving on to my final story of the, uh, of the news segment here, the French government, and I'm going to try to pronounce this in French, but, uh, we'll see what happens. The French government oh, has oh. conferred the Chevalier de l'Ordre des, des Arts et des Lettres, which means the Knight of the Order of Arts <laughs> and Letters. I tried. I don't know. Now I know I how best to dance feels. 
I would destroy that. Dude, I want to hear you. Just try it. Just try it once. <sighs> Chev, Lie, De, Ordre, Des, Arts, Et, Des, Letres. Now I feel better about it. There's, there's, that's, that's the, that's what you get for taking two years of French in college and you don't remember any of it. Um, but anyway, they have bestowed that decoration on manga creator Rumiko Takahashi on Thursday. Uh, Takahashi received the decoration at the France ambassador's residence in Tokyo. Since making her debut in 1978, Takahashi has created such manga as Urusei Yatsura, Maison Ikoku, uh, Mermaid Saga, Rumik Theater, Ranma One Half, One Pound Gospel, and Inuyasha. Uh, in her career of over four decades, <laughs> many a, of her works have become internationally manga popular. You might have heard about and inspired anime and live action adaptations. Um, and I think this is great. You know, uh, it kind of clashes with my whole, you know, down with the aristocracy thing. Um, but I, I am definitely glad to see um, Rumiko Takahashi being, uh, you know, honored for her work um, because she has been quite prolific in the manga and anime scene. Like, you know, it, even if you kind of are only passingly familiar with anime, you've probably seen something that she's, uh, you know, had a hand in producing, uh, particularly along the lines of Inuyasha. Um, so, yeah, this is super cool. Um, I think it's interesting what resonates with uh, the French, you know, aristocracy. Well, apparently this is... Uh, anime and manga are pretty popular in France, and she is not the first mangaka to have received this honor from France. Um, oh, I'd be curious who else has. There was a list of other people. I didn't. I didn't put it down for brevity's sake because then I would also have to explain where each one of them is famous from, and I don't <laughs> think we have the time for that. But there are quite a number of mangaka who have received this award um, from France because I guess apparently manga is a huge deal in France. So that's cool. I can't wait. Boom. Till Biden <laughs> like gives like. Uh, who who would he give it to? Somebody <laughs> somebody photoshop a, somebody photoshop a picture of Joe Biden giving Comey San a medal of honor, please. No. Yes. No no no, no. not Comey. Not yes, Comey. give Comey uh, a medal of honor. No no no. I I have the better option. Okay. Uh, um, from Kaguya-sama. Which one? Oh, Chica. The Chica, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, somebody Photoshop Obama or Barack. You know what? Give it do Obama. Somebody Photoshop Obama <laughs> giving Chica a Medal of Honor, and we'll post it on the we'll post it on the Instagram. <laughs> that might um, be what I do tomorrow at work. There you go. Um, but that about does it for our anime news segment. Um, you know, let us know. Hit us up on Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. Send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought. Who do you want to see Barack Obama give a Medal of Honor to? Uh, are you going to go watch Suzume? Did you watch Super Mario Brothers? Let us know what you think. Um, we would love to hear from you. But uh, with all that being said and our uh, news segment out of the way, it's time for us to dive on into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. is a robot. But Key's grandfather says Key can become human if Key can find 30,000 friends. Just how many times do I have to tell you, Nuku Nuku? How could I forget? There is one solution! And what is that? 
We can send Nuku Nuku up there and she can destroy the satellite herself! It's brilliant, no? No, that's stupid! That's right, Best Buds. We went back in time to the 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Best mean, Boy Justin, you remember the 90s? <laughs> I mean, no. I was born in 1990, so, like, I didn't become a person until, like, 1997. Um, but, like, I do remember watching a lot of 90s anime in the 2000s. Um, so I do definitely have kind of a frame of reference and a nostalgia factor for it. Um, and so, like, when I saw when I saw that Crunchyroll was running one of those stupid BuzzFeed-type quizzes, like, tell it, we'll tell you what kind of a 90s anime you should watch. I was like, I gotta take this quiz. I, I need to do it. Um, and I was, I was... Yeah, we did it for uh, one of the banters. Well, I talked about it in one of the banters, and then we, uh, you did it, and I did it along with you after the end of the episode. Um, and I was kind of shocked that it spit out to anime that I had never even heard of before, which maybe was the point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I was kind of going into this, was very excited to, to get my, to wrap my head around a new 90s, uh, style anime. What was the frame reference of the test? Was it, like, top... 90s anime you should watch or 90s anime tailored to your taste no it was more or less like like take this quiz and we'll recommend you a 90s anime yeah um, okay so we were like great yeah recommend us a 90s anime yeah um i don't know best boy dan what, what is your kind of familiarization with 90s anime i mean that's what i grew up on right right like that was uh the anime i watched from like Pokemon to Digimon, Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, like yeah, you know a, a lot of the like mainstays of the that era uh, of like Toonami and Cartoon Network, and honestly, like <laughs> whatever the Spanish channel was playing, like <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a- anything that had it airing, like sometimes like I don't know, PBS would air like uh, something or. You know, whenever it came on, I would yeah. watch something. But it was in the late 90s, early 2000s. So um, it was like the kind of first times that it was available publicly mm-hmm. um, there. So a lot of the DVDs I got were in the 90s. So that's what I grew up on. It's not always something worth going back to. It certainly <laughs> is <definitely>. not. <laughs> Things definitely move at a different pace. Oh, yeah. Um, and people talk about it a lot. And, like, I I love films and the history of film. And, like, I will go out of my way to watch, like, you know, Citizen Kane and, and things like that just to have a frame of reference from them. But in all honesty, like, I don't like old films because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're boring. And I kind of feel that way about a lot of 90s anime watching it today. It just it doesn't have the same fluidity. Um, and parts of it are limited to the, how the animation was done too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot of more repeating of frames, less actions are happening because, you know, it requires more work, more people, you don't have as hot, you know, CG to deal, to help out. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a different, a whole different beast when you're talking about shows that were, were made like almost a hundred percent with like hand drawn panels. Um, depending on how early the anime is, it it, it very well could be one hundred percent hand drawn um, cells. 
Um, so it's an entirely different kind of um, process to create an anime back then. Yeah, um, though what I think is interesting is if you can appreciate that art style, which I don't have any problem with the art style. It's mostly like the pacing and a lot of times the the dubbing yeah. of it yeah. is really bad. Um, I mean, you could tell, the, the, the one that I watched, um, you could tell that it was not a digitally preserved like copy. You can tell that they took this from physical media and digitized it. <laughs> VHS upscaled. It, it was either VHS or or whatever, like the the master copy was, the, maybe the laser disc. Um, but it was definitely originally analog and made into like a digital copy, and you can tell. Yeah. It, so, I think visually it's fun. Um, the music. There's nothing like '90s music. It's oh it's yeah, awesome. yeah. We're gonna talk some about the music online, but yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's it's also just like I think one of the striking things about going back to it is uh, there's very much a kind of like storytelling structure mm-hmm. to it, and I think it was a lot more common of that era because of how things were delivered right this is pre-internet so like this aired on television i think for me mine was probably like a late night show mm-hmm. um mine was actually an ova um so i don't think mine, uh, yeah mine, mine was mine too so i guess it would be on on vhs on one of the dvds or yeah vhs <laughs> the time, that's right <laughs> maybe even Betamax. yours is real early yours might have been on betamax yeah um Mine would have been, like, the new fancy VHS to get. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, fuck. That was the worst for collecting, like, whole series of shows. Because mm-hmm. you could only fit, like, two or three episodes on a VHS tape. Yep. So a 20-episode, 20, <laughs> like, anime would be, like, a whole shelf. Yeah, like, that. You're, you're really talking about a box set at that point. Because it has to be in a very large box. Uh... Uh, now VHSs are selling like wild. Anyway, so so that's the that's the kind of like '90s. I I, I enjoy the '90s, but like storytelling wise, pacing not and audio mm-hmm. not not the best of times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think with that we can kind of get into it. Um, up first, I watched. <laughs> it's been out for me. And this is my favorite title ever. All-purpose cultural cat girl Nuku Nuku. Love it. I love everything about it. I like... I Honestly, show's fine. Not great. Um, worth it for the title. <laughs> okay. Uh, it comes to us from Studio Fantasia, an animate film uh, directed by Yoshio Ishiwata, Written by uh, Yuzo Takada. Um, it was released in September of 1992 and ran until March of 1993. Uh, each of the episodes were 30 minutes and there were six of them. Um, so I'm going to give you the like backs, the back of the box set um, synopsis from it. Okay, and let's hear it. Ryunosuke uh, Natsume, the son of genius inventor Kyusaku Natsume and overbearing Akiko Natsume, CEO of Mishima Heavy Industries, which like Mishima has Heavy Industries like right off the bat is such a 90s like 
corporate name. You're going to laugh, but one of the, the, the <laughs> bad companies in my anime was Ajo Heavy Industries. <laughs> right? See? There you go. <laughs> uh, using funds from his wife's company and the brain from his son's beloved cat, uh, Kiyosaku creates a revolutionary Andrew uh, Atsuko Nukunuko uh, Natsume. Uh, <laughs> Do you mean it? So wait. I, I say nonchalantly, but we'll get back to <laughs> They took the brain out of the kid's cat. We'll get back to it. Okay, let's <laughs> let's circle back to that one. I have questions. Uh, to Kusaku's discuss, Akiko wants to use her husband's technology to create weaponized robots for her company's customers, resulting in Ryonosuke getting caught within explosive fights between his parents. The android Nukunuku tries to live as a normal high school student, adopting the role as Ryonosuke. Ryonosuke's elder sister, but usually ends up acting as the family's protector. Nukunuku will do anything to protect uh, the ones she loves. So. <laughs> Returning to the cat brain. So, let me just paint you a little picture. Paint it's me a Christmas picture. Christmas Eve. Okay. Um, we got KFC in the car. Mm -hmm. Dad sitting in the front seat smoking a cigarette. It's 1992. Right. <laughs> Right. This is like when ashtrays were actually ashtrays in cars. Yeah. yeah. Um, they had a thing called a cigarette lighter in the car. God. Um, and, uh, you know, you get all the Christmassy vibes. This is going on the Christmas list of anime. Um, and it starts off with his son peeing in an alleyway. Okay. Um, As one right? does. And Yeah. And he picks up this stray cat and he's like oh shit dad i have the stray cat and his dad's like we're on the lamb kid you can't bring a stray cat with us and he's like oh i guess you're right and then all of a sudden this like helicopter plane comes around the building like and this woman dressed all swat cat style is like launching rockets at them like while they're stuck in like tokyo traffic that's hot and there's like this big chase scene, big crash, they escape, but in the process, the cat is injured. Um, oh, also there's an android in the back of the car, which it doesn't do anything. It's just in the back of the car. It's just there. Uh, and <laughs> so the son's like holding the cat's dying body and he's like, dad, the cat's dying. It's all my fault. If I didn't take him with us, he like wouldn't be like this. And the dad's like, son... I'm going to give you the best Christmas you've ever had. <laughs> Cut to black. Oh, no. Next scene, you have Catgirl Nukunuku and him getting ready for school. So his Christmas present was to mutilate a cat? So his Christmas present was his dad fused a cat into an Android, a military grade android. I mean, and then programmed it, or it became a sexy teenage cat girl android. I mean, the concept is very 90s. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> it's very 90s, but like. She's super powerful. Um, 
she is more or less a teenage girl, except for certain times she does cat things. And she has, like, robot cat ears that pop out. Um, and she'll, like, chase mice. Um, so, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's it's definitely a, the most '90s of concepts. Mm. Um, ultimately, it's about family, you know, like Vin Diesel. Um, I I think um, what really put it into perspective for me was someone wrote a like whole thing on one of the episodes on Crunchyroll, um, and it. I think really kind of explains the show in a, in a little bit deeper way that I thought uh, helped kind of contextualize it too. So they titled it the triptych of robot girls, which is a good word. Okay. Um, Nuku Nuku is a stereotypical uh, girl version of Astro, Astro Boy. And like old Astro Boy comics has multiple canon stories where characters reappear in slightly different roles. She has always had a younger brother who plays the lead supporting role, a dad who does science, a cool mom with silly minions at her difficult corporate job, and a circus of neighbors, classmates, and antagonists. Her life gets uh, dangerous and weird, but she always saves the day when robots attack. Uh, in the six-episode OVA, which is what I watched, the boy and dad are on the run when they create Nuku Nuku. Meanwhile, the currently separated mom is busy running a major corporation and really wants her son back, causing most of the problems from then on. The strange but loving family dynamic is the main focus here, which episode three does perfectly. Which is, like, really interesting because there's a whole episode about how the mother kind of assumes the traditional, like, mom role of, like, the 90s and how it doesn't really fit her um, and it's like actually kind of an interesting, uh, look at gender roles, mm -hmm. um, in raising a family. That is one uh, thing that nineties anime, <laughs> I feel like did really well and then got away from for some reason, which is like kind of examining and like toying around with gender roles in a way that anime didn't do at all in like the 2000s and 2010s. And it was only kind of just now getting back to, and I say didn't do well, it at all. I'm sure there are, there are like like, you know, examples of it, but, like, I felt like it, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like it used to be more common. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're you're just as likely to have, like, a straight-up homophobic moment in a 90s anime as you are for it to have, like, some, you know, woke, uh, like, gender fluidity, like, roles. But, Absolutely. Like, that's kind of the love of <laughs> 90s anime. Yeah, don't, go get me, way. don't get me wrong. I'm not <laughs> saying anime, 90s anime was woke and then it just changed. I'm, I'm just saying that in this particular, like, field, yeah. there but was more they, in the way of experimentation with that. And they also did, like, experiment more with having, like, messages to it. Like, that's not something you get out of a ton of anime today, right? Yeah. Like, and, and sometimes it can be corny and hokey, but, like, sometimes you can have some, like, interesting storytelling around it as well. And it doesn't have to just be, like, you know, this is the protagonist and they're good because they have friends and they strive to be the best and they work really hard. <laughs> like, and they got hit by a truck yeah. in a past life. Yeah, you know, it can it can be, like, okay, let's, you know, examine what it means to be a mother and running a difficult business job, but also wanting to spend time with your kid, you know, and, you know, having 
to deal with the husband who like is always the good guy and you always are the bad guy and it's like real stuff but it's like wrapped up in like oh they sent uh, a uh, catnip bazooka out <laughs> catnip that's a great name for a band actually that is a really good name for a band like for like a like uh, an idol pop band yeah absolutely yeah um so to talk about some of the other versions of this in the 14 episode tv comedy nuku nuku gets uh an ordinary school life but her classmates are weird the local corporation is run by a guy cosplaying as an evil cartoon villain the mom is one of the corporate's top evil minions and also a totally totally normal housewife the dad hates the corporation and dresses up in wacky outfits basically the structure is a superhero show with nuku nuku pretending to be normal and we realizing in the end she didn't need to do that um which is very different vibes mm-hmm. um in the 12 episode dramatic dash a nuku nuku with a different hair arrives when her quote-unquote brother is a sensitive teenager so of course he constantly fantasizes about going on dates with her oh god and being a full head taller than her and naively doesn't uh, see that she's a person with her own gritty and awesome life outside his fantasies. Uh, also, the corporation is a bit more evil in this time, and the mom is just a lowly middle manager struggling to make things better. Um, this person goes on to wrap things up by saying they would only recommend this to fans of classic animes, the tropes, the situations, the action, it's all uh basic but i enjoy the bigger stories they tell that unique family dynamics being out uh as your true self and having difficulties that others don't see and like i i was like yes i agree with all of that i think that's a really succinct way of putting it like episode to episode and it's very much like if you watch one episode you kind of get the whole thing um it's not a lot, but they they do things to build this family dynamic, and you get that more than you do from the individual contents of each episode. And I think that is one of the bigger things from '90s anime. Like if you watch something like Digimon, mm-hmm. right from back then, it's super long. Yeah, and there's not a lot of progression episode to episode, but it builds up over time, and you get this kind of bigger overarching story that if you're willing to like put in the time we'll have like a a full payoff to Mm. to everything because you know they have the luxury of it can be a week-to-week show but they can also tell a larger story on it so i'm I'm really glad you mentioned they weren't afraid to do i'm really glad that you mentioned that because that is something that my show failed at and i'm going to talk about it yeah um so to kind of wrap up my section of it, I want to talk about one of the biggest problems with this show. Yes. Um, Is it the cat brain stealing? Uh, no, it's the sexualization of the cat. Oh, that's so much worse. Science experiment. Um, well, not naked in the show. She is in, in the OP. Um, for reasons. She is referred to as 16 in the show, I believe. Um, But yeah, like there is a whole episode where she is a waitress and all of the male patrons of the restaurant are like going there and like ordering just to like lewd her. Um, There's like 
uh, just all sorts of implications and things. It does. It is sleazy. <laughs> and like Nuku Nuku always just like plays it off bubbly, and she doesn't realize what's going on. But like, if you're aware to what you're watching, like it is present, mm -hmm. and you're like, ah, I. This was the 90s, and it was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is definitely a thing that you have to kind of... Especially if you're somebody who did not grow up watching 90s anime, and you're kind of approaching it um, for the first time for whatever reason, that is something to be cognizant of. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just something to know going in and just kind of also understand... That this was something that at the time was like pretty normal. Yeah. And it's not saying that it should be now or anything like that, but just contextually while watching it, you're like, okay, this is <laughs> what what people found as entertainment back then. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my take on Cat Girl Nuku Nuku. Uh, should you watch it? Uh, it was interesting. I, you know, I always enjoy, one of the things I love about the Pact is that uh, it gets me off of the fence, which is something I always have with anime, even when I have a ton of things to watch. I have a hard time picking what I want to watch in any given moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so having to go back and watch something like six episodes was pretty easy. You got a little shafted in your... Ah, we're going to uh, talk about that, but yeah, I did. <laughs> choice. Um... But it, it was enjoyable. Like, it was not too much. Like, if it were a 12-episode season, I think it would have been a lot. But, you know, I watched it in English, which is another thing. It's a very 90s English dub, and I wanted that experience, and mm -hmm. I was not disappointed. Okay. I mean, if that's what you wanted, um, then yeah. Yeah, there's a special place in my heart for that. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> like, a, a Japanese dub wasn't going to make it suddenly you know, a different show. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next up we have my nineties anime that was assigned to me by the gods of Crunchyroll, Um, and that anime is key. The metal idol, um, as an anime, it comes to us from studio Piro. Uh, it was written and directed by Hiroaki Sato and it released, uh, from December 16th, 1994. And it ran until June of 1997. Um, the runtime is 30 minutes each, and that actually brings me to something I wanted to mention real quick. Uh, anime used to be longer. Um, yeah. Anime these days runs, it has about 20 minutes of actual content, um, whereas anime used to be like 30 minutes, about like maybe like 28, um, and that's just because they're shoving more commercials in now. Um, but yeah, that's a thing that I wanted to just mention briefly. Um, Key of the Metal Idol has 13 episodes plus... Two feature-length films, which, spoiler alert, I did not watch. Um, so the kind of synopsis that we have for the show goes as follows. Uh, Tokiko Mima, nicknamed Key, is a 17-year-old girl living in the Japanese countryside who, despite her human-like appearance, is a robot. When Key's grandfather, Dr. Murao Mima, passes away, he leaves her a dying message, telling her that she can become a real girl if she is able to make 30,000 friends. Thus, Key moves from the quiet Mamio Valley to the busy streets of Tokyo, where she soon runs into her child friend, Sakura Kuriyagawa. Uh, Key qui uh, quickly becomes enamored with idol singer Miho Utsuse and wonders if becoming a singer will allow her to make the amount of friends needed for her to become human. 
But Miho carries an ominous secret. She is connected to Jinsaku Ajo, uh, an old rival of Dr. Mima, trying to make a new breakthrough in robotic weaponry. As Ki becomes a, uh, works to become a real girl, Ajo sets a dangerous plan into action. And it turns out there's much more to Ki than meets the eye. Um, so yeah, now I mean, I had originally planned to give my own kind of breakdown of the story beats for this anime. Um, but, uh, another spoiler alert, the story for this show is really confusing and not very well constructed. Um, and it's, it sounds like it would be perfect for you. It really does. Um, so instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with some positive notes before we move into a more scathing analysis of the show. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but one of the major things I was looking for in watching a 90s anime was the nostalgia factor. And on first blush, Key the Metal Idol is dripping with it. Like, um, starting with the music, the OP and the ED are both these kind of soulful city pop ballads um, that are really great. And I highly recommend looking up. They're both by an artist named Sadio Kijima. Um, they're absolutely worth listening to. Uh, the character design and the uh, animation are both also distinctly 90s in that, again, as we spoke about earlier, the action sequences aren't likely to blow you away, uh, but they're still pretty good. Um, but the character designs have these kind of sharp angles and deep shadows um, that are like pretty common to sci-fi anime of this particular vintage. Um, so, like, I don't know if you can kind of picture what I'm talking about here because this is an audio medium. Um, but if you are familiar with like any kind of like not, I would say any kind of non shoujo anime from this '90s period, and maybe also not like the campy um, um, shonen anime as well. Um, like they they have these kind of very sharp features with like very dramatic kind of uh, shadowing on the characters. Um, they've got very broad shoulders, um, and they kind of... I think Outlaw Star. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of Outlaw Star. Their torsos tend to taper like a triangle shape. Um, it's, uh, it, a little Jojo-y, A little... It's it's kind of like Jojo is this aesthetic, but, like, on every steroid. Um, <laughs> so that's the Plus kind of... 20 years. Yeah. So that's the kind of des character design we're talking about. Um, the other interesting, very 90s thing about this one is that there is quite a bit of frontal nudity, um, which used to be more common back when this anime was produced, especially with things like this that are OVAs and were not really, as far as I can tell, broadcast on television uh, very widely. Um, so they used to broadcast stuff on TV all the time, too. Though. <laughs> True, but this this anime comes from before whenever it was that the the uh, um, extraterrestrial insect that ate all of the nipples on anime girls um, <laughs> took over the earth um, because oh it, it does it does. They, there are nipples on, on female presenting breasts, and that is a thing you don't see anymore in anime, really. Um, no, it's all it's all beams of white light. Yeah. Um, or even worse than that, just like Barbie doll breasts with no nipples at all, um, which is terrifying. I don't think they do that anymore. Though. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they really do that too often anymore. But like you, you saw it happen a lot in like the 2000s, especially like Lupin the Third oh. had that a lot. Um, anyway, moving away from nipples. Um <laughs> Or are we? No. The first couple episodes, I was completely kind of wrapped up in the 90s nostalgia of the whole affair. And to be honest, like like you said, the story initially had me very curious. Like the, 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 the synopsis to me when I first read it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the show for me. Like, this sounds great. Um, 
But kind of once the nostalgia factor wore off, the problems with this show begin to kind of pile up. Um, so let's talk about Key, the main character. Uh, as a protagonist, she's very uninteresting. Um, and there's not much about her to endear her to the viewer. Now, I understand that she is a robot. Um, so, like, part of that is, is what they're going for. Is she for. part cat? She is not part cat. What she is that's, part that's is... That's the issue. It, what she is part is a bit of a mystery, but they seem to kind of imply that somebody else's life essence was used to create her. Um, it's very strange. But and also not explained at all. But um, she's kind of just completely devoid of personality, and she's so much so uh, devoid of personality that on the very rare occasions when person personality does show through in her character, it's just jarring. It's not exciting. It's just like confusing, right? So like every now and then, like she she has very few voice lines. And most of them are like one word. But every now and then she'll say a thing that a normal character in that situation would say. And you're like, wait, where did that come from? Like, you don't talk like that. Um, so that was kind of not super great. Um, she has like next to nothing in the way of agency throughout the entire story. Uh, and she seems to completely lack common sense, like to a degree that is like not explainable anymore by the fact that she's a robot. Because like, even if you are a robot, you should still have some sort of logic function, you know, in your in your cyber brain or something. Um, but she kind of just like uh, all of the motivations behind her decision making just just kind of are completely flat. Um, she's basically like a plastic bag floating in the wind as the rest of the story unfolds around her, which is not a type of character that I enjoy a whole lot. Um, and the other characters in the show, unfortunately, don't fare much better. Uh, a perfect example of which being Key's best and maybe only friend, Sakura. Um, and if Key's motivations are flat and uninteresting, Sakura's are completely opaque. She changes course seemingly at a whim. She says and does things out of nowhere, only to suddenly reverse course completely out of the blue. Um, I can't get a get put a finger on like whether she actually even likes key. Um, there are times when she's very mean to key and key doesn't understand because she's a robot. So she doesn't get that kind of thing. Um, and uh, like, it just, it doesn't feel like a fully alive character that has motivations that make sense. Um, the only character who I found interesting in any way is the ultimate antagonist, Jinsaku Ajo, who we talked about before. And that's only because he's completely bug-fucking-sane. Um, and, like, he's, like, the kind of crazy where he he has become obsessed with this idea of, of humanoid robots. And he, like, has visions. He refers to them as his sons. Um, he he gropes their robot boobs a lot, which is weird. My, my sons moved to the city and now they're robots. Yeah, so they all moved to the city and now they're robots. Um, but at least like his insanity was well written and actually felt like made you feel something watching the character, other than just utter confusion most for most of the time, right? Um, so like I guess in in a really messed up way, he's kind of my favorite character, and I don't like that about I don't like that they made me feel that. <laughs> You know, I mean, listen, if that's all you're dealing with. Exactly. So this kind of leads us into talking about the story as a whole, which unfortunately gets worse and worse as the show progresses. And it is chock full of plot holes with really bad pacing. 
Um, like you were talking about pacing earlier for 90s anime and like even by the standards of 90s anime, the pacing in this show is just god awful. Like you will have entire groups of episodes where nothing happens. And then all of a sudden in the span of like half an episode, the story just advances at a lightning pace. Um, and it's just really kind of frustrating. Um, and I mean, there's something to be said about a show having kind of intrigue and keeping the viewer guessing. Um, but the story in this show is so convoluted that the viewer experience quickly shifts from like kind of not knowing what will come next to just really not caring. Um, and at least that was my experience with it. Uh, at one point, Key ends up joining a cult and performing a literal miracle. And it is never expanded upon or explained how or why that happened. Like, why would they? You don't do that on a Thursday. Exactly. Like, it's so bizarre. Like, and I don't mean like, okay, so basically she, she healed a dying child. And I don't mean like, like a dying child, like, oh, you're going to, you only have like three months to live. Like this kid was like 30 seconds away from being connected to Shinzo Abe's Wi-Fi. And like, I mean, dude, that was this morning on the train for me. It must have been. But like what happened was um, like just like this bright light comes out of her body, a thing that hasn't happened before in the show and doesn't doesn't really happen. Okay, so it kind of happened one time, but it had a completely different effect. So it doesn't make any sense. Um, And then the kid is healed and then she kind of throws up blood and passes out. Right. But then they never it is never it never comes up again. (laughs) And like, excellent. It, it just—I was so baffled by this. Cause like, when she ends up joining the cult, I was like, okay, maybe I'm back in this. Like, maybe, maybe there's some something to talk about here, right? <laughs> um, but then this happens, and then she just goes away, and like, the cult leader remains a part of the story, but like in like kind of like a minor antagonist role. And it's just like I don't understand why that happened. And like, yeah, you can say that maybe it's explained in the movies, but there's just not enough to the story to make me actually want to sit through them to find out. Um, and there's a few other plot holes worth mentioning. Um, ostensibly, the bad guys are supposed to be developing robotic weaponry, but almost all of their time and energy seems to be devoted to torturing the operator of their semi-robotic idol, um, which is kind of bizarre. Like, every now and then the whole military robots things come back, but it really just kind of just comes back in the way that they're like, well, we still can't make this thing work. Better go back to the idol. I mean, the one true path to an army of robots are um, idols. I mean, that's Robot apparently idols. what they think. Um, along, it's the only way it can happen. Yeah, along those lines, um, the evil corporation, which as we spoke about earlier, it's called Ajo Heavy Industries, um, has a huge compound that includes like medical facilities and even its own jail, but for some reason must be lacking a testing ground because they do all of the testing for their barely functioning killer robots on the busy streets of Tokyo, which obviously causes most of their problems, right? Because like, I mean, that's what Times Square was like back in the nineties too, though. Pretty much. But like, basically they're like, Oh, our killer robot went berserk and killed a bunch of people. I hope this doesn't impact us negatively. Uh, spoiler alert, it does. Um, so that's fun. Uh, and then th- this is supposed to be like a kind of sci-fi story that is somewhat grounded in reality. Obviously, sci-fi, you know, is it, it kind of it, it, it takes liberties and it has to in order to be a good story. But like um, 
but for some reason in this show, one of the side characters kind of goes on a journey to find out about Key's origins. And he does so by having wild visions in the mountains of Key's hometown. Rather than doing like some sort of investigation, he has like a spirit quest. Um, and he never questions the veracity of these visions, which he knows are hallucinations. Um, he just kind of goes and he has these crazy hallucinations and he comes back and he goes, I know everything now. And everyone's like, okay. And it's like, I don't, it doesn't make any sense within the confines of the story. Um, so overall, th this show is not going to be a recommended watch for me. Um, no, while, no. <laughs> while it has like tons of nineties anime charm, it's just not enough to prop up. It's meandering and an interesting plot. Um, now, I understand there is some valid criticism you could toss my way for having not spent an additional four hours of my life watching the movies. How dare you? Yeah, which according to a, a couple commenters, uh, they do manage to tie together the various plot lines into a conclusion that makes sense. But I got to be honest, I have no idea how that's even possible. And I don't really care to find out um, after slogging through 13 episodes and ending up with more questions than answers. And you know what? On my part, I think that's fair. You know, uh, I don't think the anime did enough to make me want to sit through two movies. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with this uh, with this 90s anime. I was a little bummed out. Um. OK, so. Let me put you on the spot. Are you ready to be put on the spot? I mean, no, but that's the whole point of being put on the spot. <laughs> exactly. Too bad. If you had to recommend a 90s anime to watch, just out of the blue, what would you recommend people watch? Oh, that's a good question. It doesn't have to be the best. Just like uh, one that is a fun watch. I'll go first okay. while you think about it. Uh, I would recommend Outlaw Star. Uh, it's one of my favorite space cowboy, uh, anime out there. Uh, I think the music is dope. Uh, you get, uh, spaceships that fight each other with grappling arms, uh, and guns with magic bullets, um, that shoot like black holes and stuff. Uh, Best Boy Justin, you would actually really love that show. Yeah. Um, it was actually on my, uh, little origami thing. Yeah, it's one that I definitely missed, um, and, you know, it, it's it's kind of been on my radar forever. It's not something I'm likely to watch um, unless I get assigned it by the, um, by the pact, but uh, I am, I am <laughs> you know, kind of... By the gods, by the fates. By the fates, yes. Um, so I guess this means it's my turn. Um, yeah. Tenchi Muyo. No. Okay. Um, no, that's yeah, not, yeah. That's not what I'm going to go with. Um, I guess too late. That's yes, it. that's what I'm going with. No, I mean, okay. So I have two. I have come up with two for two different circumstances. Okay. Um, the first one. This is for one. If you want a sci-fi anime and you're willing to have your mind messed with a little bit, um, one of one of the most mind-bending anime I've ever watched, and I never actually finished it. Um, because it kind of broke my brain a little bit. And it's been kind of my goal ever since getting back into anime um, to revisit this show. Um, and that's Serial Experiments Lane. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, so this one, it's kind of like a one of those anime, it's like a psychological sci-fi thriller 
Um, and it's like one of those shows that it just really kind of makes you feel unnerved. In, in it's a, on my list. Yeah, in in a way that like um, like this, not in the way that like it makes you feel unnerved because it doesn't make sense, but because like it, it is it is setting out to do that. Um, so like that is one of my recommendations. But like if you don't want to have your mind super fucked with, and you just want like a sci-fi um experience that is like you know fun and interesting and and makes sense um i would recommend and this is this isn't a show it's actually a movie but a ghost in the shell uh and, and that seems like a cop out oh, but like yeah. ghost in the shell is like the kind of i feel like it does what this show didn't do which is like it's it's asking it's asking and answering questions about like what does a world where robots are becoming commonplace actually look like and like one of the things that this that um that is key the metal idol fails to do is is have a coherent message and and part of that might be because like it's a 90s anime and you know i'm watching it in 2023 maybe i'm losing something in translation here but like you know it, it seems to kind of be making a critique of the entertainment industry but not even really going super hard at that and you know it, it's just kind of missing that that core conceit that a show needs to have to be like listen like this is our message and i feel like ghost in the shell does a really good job of getting its message across in a sci-fi framework so that would be my my recommendation if you didn't want to have your mind messed with yeah ghost in the shell is great or, or would, only would recommend to, if you haven't yeah or only have it messed with a normal amount yeah ghost in the shell is still pretty friggin' trippy it, it is nowhere near what serial experiments lane is like <laughs> yeah um, different, different beasts. Yeah, different. Um, but yeah, so those are those are my '90s anime recommendations. All right, I think that's a perfectly good place to leave you in the past, in the '90s, in the '90s where you belong. <laughs> um, Bye, best buds. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time for our spring 2023 episode. <laughs>